0: Thank you for turning into the second issue of Podcast with the Pros. My name is Natalie Glody. I am your 2017-2018 PRSSA Publications Editor-in-Chief. And I'm here today with Heather Whaling, the founder and CEO of Gevin Communications. Heather is an advocate for equality, specifically relating to paid leave and other issues impacting women and girls. Heather is the 2016 EY entrepreneur of the year for the Ohio Valley region, and today she's here to talk to us a little bit about her agency, her PRSSA story, and why she chose to be an advocate in the field of public relations. So thank you, Heather, for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So our first question is, what inspired you to join the public relations field? So
1: I initially was a journalism major. My freshman year, I thought I wanted to be a journalist, and then I realized that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So I, for a three-week period, was an education major, and then realized I'm not patient enough to be a teacher, um, and then eventually found my way to PR. And I think it's, there's so many similarities between journalism and PR, especially if you think about how PR has evolved now with such an emphasis on, storytelling and and getting the right information out there to critical audiences Um, and so I, I sort of found my way through a little bit of a journey into PR but I am one of those people who majored in PR and I was a political science minor and I use my major every single day still.
0: So with your career being in public relations, how do you hope to be an inspiration to emerging female leaders in the field?
1: I think um, I have this little mantra in my life that if you have the ability to help, then you have a responsibility to help. And I was really fortunate when I was in college that I had an incredible internship with a person who is still a mentor and a friend. When I was young in my career, I worked for bosses who took a real interest in my career and helping me continue to grow, and I think I have the responsibility to sort of pay it back or pay it forward to younger people as they're getting into their profession and into their career now, and especially I want to help young women um, realize their potential and help climb the leadership ranks in their careers. Um, as a person who owns a business, I think I have an opportunity to leverage that to share. Um, so we talk about Given as a platform for good, and it's not just a platform for me to do good. It's a platform for everybody to do good. So everybody in the company gets 30 hours of time that they can use pro bono to volunteer on projects. I spend a lot of my time working on um, boards, working to advocate for paid leave, so things that are really important to helping women achieve leadership roles and continue to uh, make sure their voices are being heard in the workplace.
0: That kind of goes into our next question. Um, How are you helping lead the fight against the gender gap in the public relations field? I know that that's something that you've spoken out about, you've written about, so how are you helping lead that fight? Um,
1: I didn't necessarily mean to be like,
0: on the forefront of the fight, I wouldn't necessarily think
1: of myself that way, but I think at the PRSA conference, um, at the international conference last year, there was a situation that evolved that I found myself in the midst of. So there was a keynote speaker on the stage, she was professionally dressed, the shirt she was wearing happened to have a keyhole in the top of it, a um, m- middle-aged man, I don't actually know how old he is, but a, a man who should know better. Um, tweeted about something along the lines of how he wished that she had worn something that wasn't so distracting. So my initial thought was to tweet about it and say, if you can't concentrate on the content that she is delivering, that is your problem, not her problem. So I said that and then realized I had more than 140 characters worth of things to say about this comment that I thought was insulting and Stupid, um, and so I like left the session, grabbed my laptop, and just started firing off like whipping off a blog post. Um, and in the blog post, basically, was a call for PRSA to be more of a leader on this issue and to help people within the profession understand implicit and explicit bias, understand why saying these things matters especially at a conference where you have a ton of women in the room a lot of them who are students and shouldn't see that type of behavior modeled so my blog post was a little bit of a call to action it wasn't blaming anybody it included some ideas for content that they could have in a future session around how to negotiate or how to recognize implicit bias or gender norms or you know topics that are really important in the industry published the blog post, shared it on Twitter. There had been a bunch of people interacting on Twitter after his initial comments, so I sent it to them, some of them saying, like, if I thought you would know, find my take on this, or you wanna see sort of what I was hoping to propose. And one thing led to another, and then if you look at um, some of the monitoring platforms were set up in the Expo exhibit, if you looked at the top content coming out of PRSA, my blog post was the number one piece of content shared coming out of that. So then I realized, like, there really is an opportunity here. This is clearly something that um, needs to be discussed within the industry. So PRSA, to their credit, has been pretty open to having those conversations. We're doing a session at this coming year's conference around gender norms, and what can companies do internally to really support women, help pull women up into leadership roles. So I'm glad that PRSA saw that conversation and has taken some steps in that direction. I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. As an industry, we are 70% female, but if you look at the leadership ranks, it's something like 30%. There is a huge drop-off, and that's not just... accident like there's clearly something systemic happening in the industry where women are not getting promoted and rising to the top of the industry at a level that is reflective of everything that they're truly contributing to the industry so there's a lot going on that needs to be unpacked and dealt with in the industry but I think um, having some content at PRSA will be good and hopefully um, it'll force people to really look at what they're doing and think about how they're acting
0: so you talked about the blog post that you wrote during the uh, 20 16, PRSSA national conference. As you were writing that, what was going through your head? Did you think that you were going to make that big of an impact with one post yeah. or was this a total surprise to you?
1: Or I just, So I'm a big believer that you, everybody has a voice, everyone has a platform, and you should use that for good. So my hope was that instead, because there were a lot of people, it was becoming a piling on situation. A lot of people were going after that Man specifically, or we're just retweeting other tweets about it, and there wasn't a lot of constructive conversation happening to advance the dialogue. I don't want to pile on. I want to move the dialogue forward. So my hope was that maybe some people would see the blog post and it would help move the dialogue forward. I had no idea that that many people would see the blog post and that it would advance the conversation in such a way. But I'm glad that it did. And then since then, it's something that I continue to talk about. Um, you may have seen at a conference uh, over the summer, um, Mr. Edelman, the head of Edelman PR made a comment about how women just need to speak up more if they want leadership roles. So that obviously, I mean, sure, we all, if we all just spoke up, I'm sure all of a sudden the, you know, we'd have 50-50 leadership. Unfortunately, like the reality of the world is just not that black and white. It's not that cut and dry or that simple. So, um, I used that as an opportunity to also talk about this issue and was able to submit something for PR Week talking about how um, we have to do more than just tell women to speak up. There are systemic things happening within agencies, within corporate culture that is preventing women from achieving their full potential in the PR industry. So I didn't think it would take off the way it did, but I'm glad that it did. And. If I'm able to use my voice to help advance this conversation and to help women into leadership roles, then I'm happy to be that person who can do that.
0: I know your blog post made a big splash in the student society as well. I know everyone was buzzing about that in Indianapolis during the other sessions after your piece came out, so it impacted us as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about the PRSA icon session? Are you involved? If so, what kind of play do you have in that session? The one coming up? Yes. Yes. Yep.
1: So yeah, I'm leading the session on um, breaking gender norms, helping think about from a leadership level, what can leadership be doing within companies to understand what are gender norms and what happens when we try and put men in a box over here and women in a box over here. How does that limit? Men and women's abilities to achieve their full potential. So there's an, it's a very interactive session. There's a workshop that we're going to walk through. It's based on something that we've done here in Columbus, Ohio, called Gender Bias. B Y U S. Gender Us. <laughs> um, I'm on the board of the Women's Fund of Central Ohio, and we created this Gender Bias Toolkit, which is basically designed to help spark conversation. And so I'm going to take a version of that and lead that at the PRSA conference and then from there hopefully open the door to have honest dialogue about what we as an industry can be doing but more so what as individual people in the workforce how can you impact change at your company or your place in employment
0: you've talked a lot about having young professionals speak up as a way to help eliminate gender barriers but what other advice do you have to emerging young professionals to help get rid of that gap
1: Um, Negotiation is a huge one especially for women coming into this industry as someone so I have 23 employees something along those lines so I spend a fair amount of time interviewing potential candidates and we always ask them some variation of how much are you making what are you hoping to make what is the your salary range that you're looking for just so we can make sure we're on the same page and it's amazing to me how many women either undersell or will say a number and then walk it back so they'll say i want to make fifty thousand dollars but if you can't pay me that then i can make less and that's okay like no guy would ever say
0: that
1: so i think as women we need to be more comfortable asking for money we need to understand what we're worth and get that amount of money and we need to be comfortable negotiating. So, and it doesn't all have to be about dollars and cents. There are lots of things in a a compensation package that can be negotiated. But I think women need to understand you're going to get asked some question around salary, whatever that question is. You need to be prepared to answer it and answer it confidently so that the person sitting across from you on the other side of that table believes that you really are worth that amount of money that you're asking for.
0: Even your bio says that you're an avid Twitter user. <laughs> so why have you selected Twitter as your, I guess, favorite or preferred medium to express your thoughts? Yeah, I love Twitter. Um, so I joined Twitter, you know,
1: 2007, 2008, something like that, like fairly early on um, and loved the opportunity to connect with people that I wouldn't normally connect with, have conversations with them, learn from them—I just love the feel of Twitter. And then, as Twitter has evolved, certainly it has changed over the past, you know, however many years, um, the past decade. <laughs> but I think that Twitter is still this unique platform that you, there is nothing else like it, especially when it comes to breaking news, uh, when it comes to activism. There the feel of a facebook or a linkedin is just completely different from twitter and i think that has been crystallized over the past year with the election campaigns and all the you know all the stuff that's been going on um, there's nothing like twitter in a situation like that and i think it's just incredibly valuable i think that it's certainly still a place for brands to connect with opinion leaders and thought leaders and influencers um, i think it's not as easy as just publishing 140 word count, you know, 140 letter character uh, Tweet, but certainly there are huge opportunities for brands on Twitter So I'm a user personally of it And then we are also able to help our clients figure out how to use it to drive business outcomes
0: So other than your personal account what other accounts do you encourage public relations students to follow on Twitter? What are some of your favorite accounts?
1: So there are all of the like standard, you know, all the PR industry trade publications and there's the like influencers and the who's who of the PR space and all of that is fine, but and you should follow those and they're all lovely people. I would encourage you to find things outside the industry to follow. So who's doing something really innovative in retail? Who's doing something really innovative in sports or in finance? Or um, what are just issues that you're interested in? I think Twitter, becomes much more relevant for you if you're actually following things that you're interested in, not just following accounts that you think you have to follow because they're in your industry. Um, so I wouldn't get too hung up on like having to follow certain accounts because it's PR. Find things that you think are interesting and cool and follow those. Find people that you think are interesting and who are really actually engaging and not just you know broadcasting tweets out to their however many followers. Um, use Twitter the way Twitter is meant to be used and you'll get a ton of value out of it.
0: Can you... Please tell us a little bit about, rewrite the rules, how you're involved, how students can join the movement, and what exactly the campaign is striving to accomplish. Yes, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, so I would
1: love to. So when my son was born, I have a four-year-old now, when my son was born, he spent the first 13 days in the NICU. So um, I was obviously in the NICU with him every day, trying to get him healthy so we could get him home and not attached to the machines and all the like scary stuff that happens in the NICU. The entire time that we were there, I was able like, to singularly focus on him and getting him healthy and what do we need to do to get him so we can take him home. I never once had to worry about if I was going to get paid for that time or if I was going to have a job to get back to. That is a luxury that most Americans don't have. Only 13% of workers in this country have access to paid leave, and only 4% of hourly workers. And those are the people who need it the most. So the vast, vast majority of workers in this country, the day after they have a baby, are either expected to be back at work, risk losing their job, or take unpaid time off. That, to me, is just shameful. Like, I just don't understand it. So. Here at Gavin, we rolled out Gavin Loves Families. We provide 10 weeks of fully paid leave to all new moms and new dads, whether they give birth or adopt. That's a really progressive policy that we've had now in place for about a year and a half. As I started talking about that policy, other business owners or other people in the industry were reaching out to me asking, how do we put that policy in place? How is it working? How are we implementing it? What are the financial considerations? I mean, there's a lot of things to think about when you put a policy in place like that. And I realized that there was a lack of information out there for small to medium sized businesses who were interested in updating their workplace policies to better reflect the reality of today's workforce. So rewritetherules.co is a website that we created. It's a database of paid leave policies. So if you have a paid leave policy in your company, you can go on, you can submit the policy, it gets added to the database. Then if you are a company thinking about offering paid leave, you can go into this database and search by policies from companies of a similar size, or if you know that you wanna give eight weeks or 10 weeks leave, you can search policies by the length of leave that they offer. And so my hope is that it helps remove some of those barriers to providing paid leave by giving you at least some sample verbiage that you can work with if you're interested in starting that. Um, It's been so far really well received. It's been featured in Forbes and, and some other sites talking about the importance of paid leave, talking about the database specifically. Um, I would love for students to be thinking about that when you go out and you're interviewing for jobs as much as the company is interviewing you it's also your opportunity to interview the company so while when you first graduate college you may not be anywhere close to thinking about if you're having kids or whether you want kids or when you're having kids or any of those types of questions. But if a company offers paid leave to their employees, I think that speaks volumes about the culture that they have created. So I think it's really important for students or for new grads to go into interviews and try and really get a sense of that culture. And one of those things can be leave policies. Um, It says a lot about a company when they're willing to align their financial interests with their values. Then, as young pros go into their career, if you work for a company that has a paid leave policy, awesome. Submit it to the database. We would love to promote the company and what they're doing, and that's great. If you work at a company that doesn't have a paid leave policy, or maybe has a paid leave policy that's two weeks unpaid, or only you know two weeks at 50 percent of your salary, or something along those lines, that like isn't really enough to help someone who just had a child. Um, be an advocate within your company. Maybe it's hard when you're young to like influence policy change, but there are other people in your company who also wish that they had paid leave or access to paid leave. So find those people and see what you can do inside your company to make a change.
0: So circling back, uh, one of your first answers, you talked about mentorship. Can you just give us your thoughts on mentor- mentorship and why PRSSA students specifically should really reach out and try to find a mentor in their field or their niche? I, I was, like I said at the beginning, I was so fortunate to have wonderful
1: mentors. Those people really set me on the path that led me to where I am today. So, my um, first like, long internship was um, at the college I worked in, in their, their communications department. I developed an incredible relationship with the, pers- the VP of Communications he got me my first job basically so there was an agency in town that was looking for entry-level talent they reached out to him to see if he knew of any students he sent them my name and lo and behold i had a job it was incredible and then all throughout that he stayed in contact with me when i was thinking about going out on my own i reached out to him um and he was just so helpful and valuable then at my first job there was a person there who i still am in touch with today who was um really took me under his wing. We did a lot of work in politics and public affairs and it's like a very different kind of environment, but really took me and guided me and helped me understand what we were doing and the right way to do it and how to really achieve the results we were achieving and how to interact with candidates who are raising money and being pulled in all these different directions. Um, and he was another person years later when I was getting ready to go out on my own and start Gavin and I reached back out to him and he gave me great advice. I also think that um, mentorship doesn't have to be a like, formal process where you meet once a month, and there's an agenda, like you can also have informal mentors. Todd Dufferin is one of those for me. He's incredible, he owns Shift Communication. He and I met, we followed each other on Twitter for a while beforehand, and then he and I did a panel together right after I had started my company. probably six months after I would started my company. We did a panel together, that was the first time we met each other. We were going to lunch beforehand just like with our other panelists just to get to know each other and we're walking to lunch and he's asking me all these questions he's like well how much do you charge and i was like "Ooh, that's a weird question to tell someone who i just met but i told him and he was like nope double your rates and i was like "Ooh, i don't know if i can do that so first of all lesson women never charge enough we never ask for enough money so like as much as i tell other women they need to negotiate that was a lesson i learned the hard way i was severely undercharging for what we were doing Um, And he told me that that was advice that someone gave him and that he doubled his rates and that's when the company really took off. And that there's a lot of value, there's that perception of if you're charging that little, are you really that good at what you're doing? And if you're able to charge that much, wow, you must be really good at what you do. So I listened to him and I increased the rates and all of a sudden that's when the company took off. So it was incredible advice that he gave and then every six months or so he sends me a facebook message just to check in and see how things are going and what i'm struggling with that he can help and he's been really helpful in helping me think through different ways to measure um the growth of the business or to think about you know growth and the health of the business make sure we're growing at the right pace with the right types of clients he's been helpful from an HR perspective and really understanding the importance of hiring for culture and how critical that is. So he's just been incredible. But we don't have this formal like, you're my mentor and I'm your mentee. So I think for for students, don't get so hung up on the mentor title, just surround yourself with really great, smart, experienced people. And those people, you'll find ways to interact with them and to help them and they'll help you. And it creates a win-win relationship for everybody involved.
0: So through your PRSSA, PRSA, story thus far. What's been your favorite memory or a moment that's really stood out to you? Uh, so I think the, the there are a couple. So we three years ago
1: started hosting a mixer at the PRSA-PRSSA International Conference. What I learned was that there are all these really great PRSSA chapters here in Ohio, but those chapters never interact with each other because they're so focused on what's going on on their campus that they don't get to spend a whole lot of time with each other we decided that we could be the conduit to bring those chapters together. So starting three years ago, we've done it at each conference. Since then, we host a mixer to bring all of the Ohio PRSSA chapters together. And we have, we provide free drinks, free food. Nobody has to pay anything. You literally just go to conference, show up at our event, and you can meet other PRSSA students. And it's been incredible to see the connections that have been formed through that. It's been great for us from a business standpoint, from a talent recruitment perspective. We get to meet students who are wonderful and smart and involved in PRSSA. Um, So that is always just a fun thing that I look forward to doing every year. Then certainly the thing that happened, the the thing, the situation that happened last year at PRSSA, or PRSA, the conference around understanding that i really do have an opportunity to influence the conversation around equality in the industry and seeing that happen in such a significant way was really meaningful to me and um, has helped reminded me to make sure that i'm using my voice to advocate for others
0: so as a ceo and a founder of a successful agency um, you probably have to do a lot of hiring so what skills do you look for in especially young professionals, new recruits, new talent? So I
1: would say writing is still like the most important skill and it's amazing to me how many people think they can go into PR without being really great writers. So you need to be a great writer and you have to be able to write across different mediums, different lengths. Like that's great if you can write a blog post or if you can write a, you know, snappy little Facebook post or something along those lines, but I also need to be able to write like long articles or you know technical writing not just all conversational writing so depth and breadth of writing skills is hugely important I specifically then I'm looking for people who have a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit so people who will think outside the box who will take some risks who don't have to be told every single thing to do so I'm not big on micromanaging Um, I want people who thrive in an ambiguous environment. We're not gonna give you every single detail step by step by step. I'm gonna tell you end goal, here's what we need, and we're gonna provide some structure and some framework, but I want you to figure out what to do. I want you to show creativity and, and proactiveness. So I think that's important. Collaboration is hugely important. We're, you saw our office, we're a very open office here, so having people be able to collaborate with each other is critical. Um, Teamwork is really important. Having people understand the data side of it. So if I ever hear someone say they wanted to go into PR because they're bad at math, like you're not gonna be able to work here at this company. We take a very data-driven approach to what we do, and so I need you to be able to understand how to use math and how to get into Excel and create charts and spreadsheets and that kind of stuff that maybe didn't always used to be a critical skill for PR people, it for sure is a critical skill now. So I think that's an important piece of it. Um, And then I want people who are curious. So we we think about ourselves as technologists who are innovating PR. I want people who are curious about technology and who want to learn new things, even just this past week two people on our team who are really media relations specialists. Like they spend most of their time working on media. They decided they wanted to learn how to make a bot. (laughs) And so we made and launched, so they've been working on it for a little while, but we got the final approval from the client. We launched a bot this week for a client. Like that is something that A, most PR agencies are not doing, and B, media relations specialists are not typically the person who's figuring out how to learn and build a bot. So that, to me, speaks volumes that like they are the right people for here because they're interested in technology, they're curious, they did it on their own without anybody being told that they had to do it. It was amazing to see. So I think those are some of the skills that we're looking for.
0: And finally, why do you encourage students to join PRSSA as well as PRSA post-graduation? I think being involved in PRSSA
1: and PRSA is great from a networking perspective. For students especially, it can help open up doors for potential jobs, potential mentors. It's a great learning resource. So if you have questions or things that you're not sure how to deal with in PRSSA and PRSA odds are someone else has had a similar experience and can help guide you through that. Um, I also think it shows your commitment to your craft that you want to continue to improve and learn and um, that you take seriously what it is that you do. And I think that speaks volumes about you as a professional.
0: Well, thank you, Heather, for sharing with us. I know I love the content. I know everybody that listens to this podcast will love the content. Um, Heather will be again at PRSA Icon in Boston this October, so that's just another reason for all of you to register for National Conference. Um, and then again, follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at PRTNI. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Podcast with the Pros.